Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to be with us as we contemplate the mysteries of Jesus and especially his washing of his disciples' feet. We need your help in this because these are deep mysteries. But to be Christ followers, we must try to understand just what your Son was trying to express to us. We want to be more like Jesus. Help us as we try. In his most holy name, amen. Please be seated. Our gospel tonight is from the beloved disciple John. And we should note that only in John do we find the foot washing. It's difficult to say why. The synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do not describe this particular event. The symbolism present here is extremely important. And as we know, John was a master of symbolism. His gospel is all about agape, or the love of God for us. And John seems to have found the symbolism represented here as helpful in evincing this love. One of my seminary professors, and a man whom I trust for his revelatory comments concerning John's gospel, has two important things to tell us about Jesus washing of the disciples' feet. One seems relatively trivial, the other profound. This is Rodney Whitaker, close friend and professor, in his textual commentary on John's Gospel. The trivial first. Whitaker calls the foot washing an embarrassing event for the disciples. And this may well be true. Feet are not a very attractive part of our bodies. You do not even want to see mine. And we do keep them covered most of the time. And indeed, they may get dirty and not receive the attention that they might. And so when someone for whom we have the greatest respect tells us they're going to wash our feet, we might well be embarrassed and even run the other way. We can be sure the disciples' feet were dirty. They walked on dusty roads, shod with open sandals. So we can go with the embarrassment idea. But the second thought that we must ponder is the following. Whitaker believes that the foot washing provides the most profound revelation of the heart of God apart from the crucifixion itself. He believes that the foot washing provides the most profound revelation of the heart of God apart from the crucifixion itself. Someone has called it an acted parable of the Lord's humiliation unto death. I should like to look at the scene, make a few observations, and see whether or not the acted-out parable lives up to that billing. As I've thought about this, it has come to me that washing someone else's feet is certainly a penultimate, if not the ultimate, act of humility. 
but is not this perfectly in keeping with the ways of our Lord. And before going any further, let us remember that we are to follow his leading if we profess to be under his leadership. What Jesus did would appear to be a paramount demonstration of the love of God. Let us look at a passage that we've studied before from the so-called Christ hymn in chapter 2 of the letter to the Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empties himself. And the ESV here says, made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. His father loved us so much that he made sure the son would draw people to that love with a most humble demeanor. From the beginning of his ministry, our Lord's behavior demonstrated consistently profound humbleness. And we must recognize once again the paradox here. I had pointed out other paradoxical behavior and teachings of Jesus on numerous occasions. In this case, we simply do not expect a king to behave in this way. A king insists that others wait on him. He waits on nobody. And washing feet? I don't think so. I'm reminded here of C.S. Lewis in his revered book, Mere Christianity, where he notes that things that Jesus said and did were enough to either lead us to call him a lunatic or the Son of God. And Lewis emphasized that one must make a choice. Either Jesus was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. So we do get it. Jesus, though a king, is a king of another kind. His behavior when teaching and preaching and healing shows us that. As he told his disciples, he was not of this world. In the foot washing, he takes the role of a humble servant, a slave. Indeed, it has been said that someone washing the disciples' feet would be far more likely to be a Gentile slave girl. And in Luke Chapter 22, Jesus reminds us that we should not be like the kings of the Gentiles. He tells them to let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. The Apostle Paul certainly understands Jesus' humility and demonstrates this in many of his letters, referring repeatedly to himself as doulos, that Greek word means a bond servant, one who has fulfilled his years of servitude and has chosen to remain in the master's household even after the prescribed seven years, about which we read in Deuteronomy and other places. 
Dulos suggests complete and utter surrender to the master's will and orientation to the master's well-being. And the converted Paul reflects agape here, where the response of us to the love of God for us is to become a servant of God. I should say just a word about the setting of the scene, the context, if you will. You know me in context. We should recall that the disciples had been bickering over primacy in the kingdom. You know, who's the greatest? We know that although the disciples had a common bond in Jesus, they did not necessarily like each other. Their typically human response in various situations was the default position. Look out for number one. The air was therefore thick with jealousy and suspicion. It would be the very last thing for one of them to think of grabbing a towel and washing someone's feet. But Jesus did it. He saw that this act exemplified in a very big way just how he wanted these 11 men, because I believe Judas was fading quickly out of the picture, to carry on after Jesus was gone in demonstrating God's love for mankind to those with whom they came in contact. They must forget themselves and their selfish interests and become servants of others. Finally, note how Peter suddenly had an epiphany of the Spirit here. Very interesting man. At first, he could not accept Jesus washing his feet. Then, when he is chastised and told by Jesus that if his feet are not washed, he has no part in Jesus, he goes overboard and wants his whole body washed. This reminds me so much of the Transfiguration, where when Peter gets carried away in the excitement of the event, of the moment, he wants to build little huts for the folks that are there. And speaking of Peter, note how he reverts to that default position that I mentioned above, where he denies adamantly even knowing Jesus just a day after this. He was afraid. He lost faith temporarily, and he backslid big time. Well, what do you think? Is the foot washing really important? Is it profound? Is it instructive? I would have to say that I believe that it is all of these things. The man God, Jesus Christ, in his inimitable fashion, has found a way to introduce God's ineffable love for his people in an unexpected but most compelling way. And this act turns hearts. But does it reveal the heart of God almost as much as Christ being nailed to a cross? I shall not answer that, but only say that this is one of those conclusions that might be easy for some and more difficult 
for others. It is to me kind of like one's conversion experience. It could come in an instant, or it might come gradually over many years. I'm always amazed how insights come, sometimes when in prayer, sometimes when studying or reading scripture, or sometimes when one simply has a new lens through which one looks at something that seemed to be so well understood previously. So I won't answer the final question, but I do pray that as you contemplate the mysteries of Christ's passion, that you may receive a blessing of understanding and that this may change your life and promote your continuing sanctification, making you more and more like our Lord Jesus. Amen.